Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How are you doing? Good? It seems like this side only. How are you doing over there? Good? Awesome. How about we? Amen, amen, amen. I'm doing good too. And uh, let's just dig in um, with the Word of God. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness, for your kindness, for your love. We thank you for everything that you have in store for us. Lord, we heard our brother who just shared with us what you put in your heart. Therefore, we stand against every spirit of fear and lies in our hearts, in our families, in our relationships, in our business, in our surroundings, in our workloads. In Jesus' name, we rebuke that in our mindset. In Jesus' name, Father, we speak the spirit of truth to come upon us, to guide us, to direct us, to to let us make decisions based on truth from you rather than anything else around us. Father, we thank you for this moment. We pray for the spirit of truth as well to be dominant in the message that we're about to share, Lord, so that we may be edified, strengthened, Lord Father, through these crazy times that we're going through as your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 All right. Um, so my the message that I have today... Um, like I say, I always struggle with titles, but I think I'm going to call this one. Um, how about your passion and your compassion as a child of God? How about your passion and your compassion? Um, let's just define these two words um, before we can dig in to, to, to talk about those two words. The word compassion, I, I had to run to the dictionary uh, what it means rather than just what I understand about these words. Uh, Compassion, it says, it's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for someone who's, who's striken by misfortune. A compound, a compound, compound, this word will always flip me, by desires to alleviate such suffering. And passion is, is a last or a strong desire for someone for physical engagement for individual satisfaction. And, 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 and another definition kind of like goes a little bit deep and says, compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for someone who's stricken by misfortune um, and to alleviate such suffering. It is also an act of showing kindness with assistance. As it's related to relationship, passion is defined as a powerful or compelling emotion and feeling that can lead someone to fulfill desire, desires led by the flesh. And, and, you know, there's similarities in some sense of these uh, two words, but I think the difference is much more uh, bigger than their similarities. And, and there are just two differences that, I, you know, I realize about these, uh, these two things. And also, like, the, at least the dictionary that I read online trying to make a difference between passion and compassion, they highlight. They say the first one is compassion leads someone to help someone else. It is the desire for someone else's well-being and putting that desire into action. Um, so, but passion is the last uh, for the strong desire or for someone of physical engagement for individual satisfaction. So the, the beneficiary or the target of the passion and compassion, they are different. Compassion, it's about somebody else. Compassion is about, they are the one who benefits more of your compassion. Whereas passion, it's more of you. It's you are the beneficiary. You are the one who get the benefit of that uh, of that passion. And 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 you know this is a. Uh, let me let me go to the second differences. Then I'll I'll come back to that one. 
Um, and the second difference is that one comes from inside of you and the other one from, comes from uh, the outside. Now the word compassion, it's something that comes from within you. You know, uh, the way we love God, the way we, 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 we want to serve God with compassion. I mean, so with passion, no, with compassion. That's something that gets triggered uh, inside of you uh, by your own uh, desires based on what you want to accomplish or what's compelling you. Whereas compassion comes from the outside. So when you see somebody being hurt, that triggers you to have that compassion. So that's the kind of like a second difference uh, between the passion and compassion. But I want to stick more on the first difference uh, because it's more related to the, to the message that I'm about to share. It, it says that compassion is about the other person, whereas a passion is about uh, you, personal satisfaction. Uh, you, you, when you're serving God, you, you serve God with passion. Um, you can also serve God with compassion, but when you're talking about serving God with compassion, you'll be more talking about the other person, serving God through another person, uh, not be having compassion about God. We don't, we don't, get, we don't get compassionate uh, for God, or we don't get compassion for God, but we, we, we can we get passion, we get passionate about Christ. You know, Jesus was, uh, he had a passion for us, um, for his own uh, satisfaction, or for his own goal um, as a child of God, but he also had compassion about us because of our misery and our, 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 well, our, our, our not being so good as people, as human. So just keep those two definitions and kind of those two differences about passion and compassion. The fact that one is about the other one, just the compassion, and the, or the other one is more about your personal satisfaction. Um, and your relationship, the way we love God, the way we serve God, it it's, it's, it's benefits us first, you know, you know, the peace, the joy, the, the strength, the, the faith that we have, it's, it's more for us. Uh, but when it comes to compassion, we, we then we look on the other person. So just keep that in mind, and we'll come back later. But, and now let's jump in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25. Um, chapter 10, verse 25, and up to 37. And you see where I'm going with these two words. Um, the Bible says, one of the, um, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? What is written by in, in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of, of, of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, and saw him pass by, by, by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, 
he took out two denaries, uh, denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm pretty sure we have heard this story before. And, 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 and there are different messages that we can draw out of this message uh, from whoever whom we heard this message before. And, and, and this is a story that, you know, this guy got beat by robbers and there are three people who passed by on. And two just passed by, they didn't do anything, but the third one decided to step in and help this person. And, and the Bible said this expert on law, he went first to test Jesus, asking what should he do so that he can go to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus told him, love your God with your strength, with your um, mind, with your heart, with your soul, with everything. And then he said, well, and, and, and then the second one, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he asked him, who's my neighbor? So, and, and, and Jesus wanted to address this question of the neighbor. It's interesting that he did not ask about the first uh, requirement, but he asked the second requirement. We'll go back to that one uh, as, as well. Um, but Jesus wants to address this question of who's your neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And who's your neighbor? In a general sense, if I were to ask you or ask myself who's my neighbor, who's the neighbor, I would just run into the idea of distance, of proximity. The one who lives next to me, the one who lives close to my house, the one who's three or four blocks down my house, he's my neighbor. That's the general kind of sense of this of, of mindset or definition we have about a person being your neighbor. Or the one we walk together at my work, maybe if you want to push a little bit far. But it really in a common way, we think neighbor in terms of proximity. But Jesus wanted to challenge this, uh, this definition and to prove it that it's not really the right definition, at least when it comes to his children. Hallelujah. And he said, these three who was the neighbor of this person. And the expert in the law said, well, the one who stepped in and helped him, he's the one who qualified by the neighbor, who, to be the neighbor. This Samaritan did not know this person who got beaten by robbers. He was not his neighbor by distance. The Bible says he was just going from Jericho down to Jerusalem. Whether it was on his business trip or I don't know what brought, was taking him down there. But he did not know this man. He did not even recognize but say, oh my God, this is a neighbor. I know his father. I know his mother. Therefore, you know, he's my neighbor. Let me, let me, let me, let me help him out. He was a complete stranger. So the question is, who is your neighbor? According to the scripture. The neighbor, according to the scripture, at least in this illustration that Jesus showed us, is anyone who's in need of your help. That is your neighbor. They may live close to you. They may be in your proximity or they may be far away from you. But if they are in need of your help, if they are in need of your assistance, they can be black, they can be white. They can be Hispanic, they can be Asian. They can be a Republican, they can be a Democrat. They can be an independent, they can be a no party person. But if they are in need of your assistance, that's your neighbor. The Bible says he did not know this person. He just walked by and he saw him beaten. 
And not only that, he did not even bother asking, what, how did you even end up in this road? How did you end up even being beaten? Maybe it was your fault. He did not even try to understand the situation, how he went down that route and how he got beaten almost half dead. But he saw that as a person who was in need at that time and he stepped in and he helped him and that was the neighbor, according to the Bible, according to what Jesus said. Hallelujah. The Bible says when he saw him, he had pity of him. In other words, he had compassion. That's where that word comes back. He had compassion about this person. And he stepped in to help him. Hallelujah. And the Bible calls him just his neighbor. So passion and compassion, those are your key things that as a child of God, we have to have. As a church of God, we have to carry around. Passion is great, but passion without compassion, it's, 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 it's not qualifying. The Bible says that the, it's interesting enough that the Bible highlights that the first person who walked by, this is a priest. It was a priest. A priest is the person who dedicated their life, who devoted their life to God, who gave everything about their life to God. Therefore, they are a priest. So they have a passion. They are passionate about God, but they did not have a compassion. Therefore, they walked by. And the second person who walked by again, it was the Levite. Levite, these are the people who are also dedicated as a clan that, you know, uh, uh, it's like, like a family where, you know, the, 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 the um, I know the word in French, the sacrificateur, what's the, the, um, the one who go and, and give offering to, uh, is that, I think that would be a priest, right? Um, so th this was a kind of like a descent. It's, like it's a unique family that was, that, that was, the, that was kind of their, their job. Dedicated for that kind of role. Amen? So they had passion. There were people just dedicated by nature or by birth, if you want to say it that way, giving their life to, uh, to give their life or to serve God for the rest of their life. So they had a passion about God. They were passionate about serving God. And, and I did a little bit of research and I found that Jericho was a, a sacerdotal city where all the kind of things about God or ministry or serving were just happening. And the Bible said they were coming from that city, probably from church or from whatever they were doing for God and walking down, going to Jerusalem. Maybe that's where they were living. Or they were going to minister. I don't know what they were doing. But the bottom line, these are people who had passion about God, who, had, who were passionate about God. And in their relationship, there are people who prayed a lot. There are people who knew about the law. There are people who knew about the Torah. There are people who knew about the, the law of Moses, who were practicing, who were leading even others to practicing or to obey or to follow God or the rules of God. And so they had the passion about God in their relationship. But they did not have compassion about people. And therefore, clearly, according to the story, they were not justified with their act, how they acted. They walked by, they passed by about, um, on this person whom they was, was needing their, their, their attention. I don't know what was going on in their mind, but clearly there is a reason that prevented them to not step in helping this person. Maybe they didn't know them. Maybe they had a different colors. 
Maybe they look like there was also, there, it was also one of the robbers who just happened to be, you know, uh, beaten by his friends. Therefore, they didn't want to get involved. Maybe they blamed him for walking in that route. I mean, that route, I heard, it was a very dangerous route. It was a desert route, about 20 miles, and it was a very dangerous route that always had robbers around there trying to rob people from th different things. Maybe they blamed him from their own, for his own action. Why did you come alone here? Maybe, I don't know, there is a good reason that they did not step in. It's not like they did not see him. Clearly, the Bible is clear that they saw him and they walked by on the other side. There were some differences that maybe in another agreement, in opinion or vision, how they viewed that person and they didn't feel that they had to step in, even if the person needed their help. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Passion and compassion. They, we, as the children of God, we have to have the passion. So Jesus, they asked him, what should I do to go into heaven? He said, well, no, love God with your heart, with your emotion, with your thoughts, with your soul, with everything. That's passion about God there. Be passionate about God. That's what Jesus replied. Be passionate about God. But the second thing that you also need, me and you need as a church of God, is the compassion. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself as well. That's the passion and the compassion. Those are the key requirements. And he says, because all the laws of Moses and everything that, that you've heard about the kingdom of God, it's all summarized in those two things. Be passionate about God, but also be compassionate. And clearly, that's a cross right there. And we know without the cross, there is no heaven. Without the cross, there is, a, there is, no, uh, uh, there is, no, there is no salvation. The cross, it's, you know, as we know. Two, two bars that are perpendicular. And the one I heard, but I also find to be true, very true that the perpendicular one is the relationship that we have between us and God, which is defined by the passion, how passionate we are about God, how much time we spend about praying, how much time we spend reading, how much uh, uh, offering we give to our churches or, or ministries or, 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 you know, all that good stuff. Passion between God, how much anointing we have, how much, you know, miracle we can perform. How much gifted and how much, you know, God really put a fire on, on it because we seek him in the mountains. We, think, we seek him by, by fasting. We seek him by doing all kind of crazy sacrifices that we can do to get God's attention, God's anointing, God's fire, God's presence. All that's great to get God's peace, God's joy, God's visions. All that great. It's the passion that we have between us and God. It's a relationship, the vertical relationship we have between us and God. But the second part of our cross is a horizontal relationship, which is the relationship that I have to have with my neighbor. The relationship that I have to have toward you or toward the other person. And without that one, it's not a complete cross. It's just a standing vertical relationship. And Jesus was really clear here about dismissing that idea that if I only have a good relationship with God, but no good relationship with my neighbor, it's good enough. No, it's not a good enough. Who's your neighbor? Jesus asked. Is anybody who's in need of your help? That is your neighbor. That is your neighbor. And we need to be compassionate about our neighbor. We cannot be just... Um, Passionate about the kingdom of God, we have to have a compassion as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church of Truth and church in general, whoever we are falling online or, or, or somewhere else, we are living a different time. 
we are living in different, different difficult times. There is this cloud of, 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 of politics that's just roaring around between different political parties. There is so much dysfunctional, there's so much disagreement, there's no much unity, there's, there's so much hostility between people. There's this political crowd of parties, uh, Democrat and Republican and Independent and, and, and God knows who else in there. That's really, really going into people's minds, getting into people's hearts, including the children of God, the Church of Christ. There is also this COVID-19 cloud that's really running around. Where you cannot even come to an agreement what is the proper way to protect the people. There is no even agreement on unity on, a, on the most very basic thing about how we go about it. Even if some we call, most of, most of people are calling it the common enemy. But, they, but people are so divided, so separated that they cannot come together to fight the call, common enemy. There is a crowd of racial injustice that's going on with black movements, I mean, Black Lives Matter and White Lives Matters. Now we can even not agree on even a simple thing. Every time there is an issue, there is always the opposite side. There's always a division. There's always tearing one, one another's apart. There's always playing down each other's concerns or opinions. We have now this cloud also of, of, of sexual orientation going on. All of these things that are just up in the air. And they're having impact on people's lives. They're having impact on people's emotions. They're having consequence and impact on people's being. We cannot ignore them. But this is what God wants you to do as a child of God. This is what God wants you to do as a church of God. God doesn't want, does not want you to get involved into the muddy of this politics and all this cloud that's going on around here. He doesn't need you to get involved. He doesn't need you to get uh, caught up into that. Because it's so easy if when you watch the news, when you hear things that are going around. It's really hard to stay neutral, to stay put. You can get really involved, even emotional. Very quickly and very easy, especially when something touched close to home. Hallelujah. But this is what the prophet chapter 4 verse 23 says. Above all, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Hallelujah. Guard your heart from everything you do flows from it. God doesn't want you to get involved, God get, to get caught up or taken away by this cloud that I just mentioned of politics, of COVID-19, of, 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 of racial justice and, 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 and sexual orientations. But what God wants you is to keep your compassion, to go back to your compassion and realize that there are so many neighbors that are being born out of this situation, out of this chaos that's going on with the politics, with the defection, with the sexual orientation, and with racial justice. There is so many opportunities that are rising up that me and you need to stand and take the opportunity to compassionate about the neighbor, that person that who's in need, whether they're Republican or they're Democrat, whether they're gay or, not, or lesbian, whether they are black or whites, a minority or majority, whether they have, I don't know what. God wants you to take that compassion of yours, pour it into that person, because the person is your neighbor. You may not share the same political views, 
But that's not your business, not my business. God has called us to pray for our leaders, not to rally against or to rally for our leaders. Let me say this, Christian, Church of God, be careful to what you get involved, what you say or what you get involved into. You don't want to have an image of politics on your mind, I mean, on your, on, on your, on your personality. Because you have, you have been called to take people out of Egypt, not to rally behind the politicians. You are, need, you are called to serve every kind of people. You are called to serve gays, a lesbian, a black and white, Asian, uh, those who are against the president, those who are for the president. You are called to serve them regardless. But if you do not guard your heart against all this movement that's going on, you're going to find yourself be dragged in that movement and then you start cherry picking who's your neighbor and who's not your neighbor. And your neighbor will start being those whom you only associate with, those whom you share the political views, those whom said I will vote for Trump or I will not vote for Trump, they may be your neighbors or not. That's not the quality of your neighbor. The neighbor is the one who's in need of your help at that moment. And God has empowered you and me to deploy every single need the person needs. This is the opportunity to grow, church. This is the opportunity to go bigger. This is the opportunity that when the enemy is creating, or like the song said, when the enemy is creating something bad, God always has a way to turn into good. He may think he's destroying the church. He may think he may plot, the, plot against the church to destroy, to take it down. But God has a genius plan to turn it around. But that's going to come through your passion and your compassion, not through our divisions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what God wants you, Lord, uh, my friends. Don't get caught up into this cloud that's running around. Don't get caught up into that. It's easy to get to sleep into it. It is possible to sleep into it. Titus verse, chapter, verse one, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, he says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every single time as I directed you. That's why God preserved you. It's so that the moment like this, in a time like this, you may use the compassion to bring the church back. To bring those who are lost. There are neighbors around here. Just because things are at peace in your house, it doesn't mean things are at peace everywhere else. Just because your job was preserved, it doesn't mean everybody's job was preserved. Just because there's no division in your house, it doesn't mean there's no division as well. Just because things are okay in your house, it doesn't mean things are okay somewhere else. This is the time that you step out, and I step out. We step out of these four walls of, 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 of a church where we believe our neighbors is those who go to church together. Our neighbors are those who we share the political views. Our neighbors are those who we share opinion about gay marriage or non-marriage or, or, or black or white or minority or majority. It's time you step out of that cloud. It's time we step out of those walls to go seek for those neighbors because they are there. And they are needing help. They've been beaten by the enemy. This guy was beaten by the robber. And the Bible says that the enemy came to kill, destroy, and steal. The robber is the enemy. There are so many people who are beaten up 
and laying down on the floor, on the streets where you pass by every single day, in the neighborhood where you live every single day, they were beaten up by the enemy, either through politics or through COVID-19, through racial discrimination or whatnot, or through uh, sexual orientation, or through different kinds of these things. It can be just a normal disease, not even COVID, but they are beaten up in their bed, they are beaten up in their family, they are beaten up in their relationship, they are beaten up big time in so many areas, they are beaten up in their business, and you don't know what the reaction they are doing, they don't know what they are doing to themselves, because they are so beaten up. The Bible says this guy was left half dead. There are so many people beaten up. And you and me are the one who have the right compassion. The compassion with no political motivation. There's two things that you should ex not expect when you're using your passion. When it comes to compassion, sorry. Two things that you should not expect. To know or to be familiar with the person you're about to help. This person did not know they were not familiar about you. And the second thing is no, have no expectation of reward, of return, of what you're about to do. The Bible says this gentleman, he left the gentleman, he took him into the inn. He went and took care of him for one day. And the next morning, he had to go to continue his journey. So he left the money, uh, a little bit of money to take care of that gentleman. But he also realized that may not be enough given the time and how the person was beaten up. So he told the innkeeper, say, stay with the person, Take care of him until he recovers fully. When I come back, I will give you extra money for what you have used extra. There is no expectation. He did not say, when I came to pick him up, go with him, maybe make him pay. Or hold him until I come back. Don't let him go until I come back. He reimburse me or he will become my slave until he walks his way out or with, with the debt that, uh, of, of the money that I have spent on him. But he said, when I come back, I'll pay you. He did not even mention about that means that they are about that person. That means he was not expecting to find that person there. His expectation was that he will be taken care of and he will go continue his way. Whether he was going, going back to, into doing some bad things that led him in the first place to be beaten by rubber, that he did not question that one. He did not even leave a little note and say, hey, by the way, when you recover, please put your act together. Don't go back to where you were because you're really almost dead. That was not his concern. His personal return was not there. Whether that, whatever that person was going to do with his life was not his business. He's like, you know what? I'm just, I'm compassionate about this person and I'm not expecting any return. Those are the two things you should never expect when it comes to compassion. You don't have to know the person. You don't have to understand the story. You don't have to, 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 to be convinced that the person end up in that bad situation it was not his fault. That's not my problem. That's not your problem. That's God's problem. But if God puts you in a position where you have to help, that's your neighbor. Step in, do it. Even if you don't know the person. Even if you disagree with the person. In so many ways. And maybe in everything. And don't ever expect a return. Don't ever expect a return. Um, I was ministering to, you know, my friends... And, and, and then in, after we do the ministry thing, um, and, and the person was like, you know, genuinely say, you know, brother, this is great, great, great help. You know, can I give you at least the money for the gas? You know, and he, and he was not in a bad way. But I say, you know, I, I appreciate the, the offer. 
but I, I'm not there yet to where I start taking monies from people because of ministry. The, what was given for free, I'll give it for free. And, and, and instead, take that money, go give it to a ministry that you know that's maybe in a need. They need more, way more than I do. You know, know that whatever $100 wasn't going to make a difference in my life, but, but I did that out of compassion, and I was not expecting anything in return, but the glory of God only. Hallelujah. The person may not even recognize what you've done for them. They may not even appreciate or say thank you. But your return is God's glory. The compassion, the well-being of that person, that's your return. The things to be fixed in their lives, that's your return. And you should be happy with that one. Hallelujah. Church of Christ, if you don't mind standing up with me. I want you and me to just revisit our compassion. I know we are passionate about God. That's not a question at all. That's not a question at all. We are passionate about God. The fact that we've been even here on Sunday, it's a passion. Could be sleeping, could be doing everything. Restrictions are around here, and, uh, and by you here. But it's because of your passion you have toward God. And I know you have personal time of prayer and the Bible you read, all that good stuff. You go to life groups and stuff. That's great. That's compassion right there. But I want you and me to revisit our compassion. I want you and me to renew, to revisit our compassion. The book of Revelation chapter 22 is the last chapter. Verse, 22, uh, verse 12, chapter 22 says, Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gate into the city. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Keep your compassion clean. The minute you start getting influenced by people's opinion, people's politics standing, people's uh, sexual orientation, people's color, skin, language. Then it's not a pure compassion anymore. Because politicians also, they have compassion. But it's compassion toward those who are in line with their political view or agenda. That's not a pure compassion. God needs a pure compassion to transform the world. God needs a pure compassion to change things around. The presence of God doesn't now come because we just sing about it. But the presence of God comes when there is a pure compassion or when there is a pure passion. That's what calls the presence of God. Pure intentions. I want you and me to revisit our compassion now. You know, one of the church, uh, among the servant church, God criticized about the first love. But when you read a couple of verses before those, uh, the first love critics, there are things that really define a really great compassion. They are persevered. They will stand for the word of God. They will stand of that. But the other guy said, no, I, 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 I criticize about that first love. It's also about a compassion that they lost. They got cut into laws, uh, rules, like this priest and, and Levite. And if you realize your compassion has been muddy, has been corrupted, has been uh, infected, maybe not by the coronavirus, but 
lack of purity because you're using the basis of different things to decide who to help and who not to help, who's your friend, who's not your friend, who to attend to and who not to attend to. This is the time to ask God forgiveness because the church needs a pure compassion. There are so many people crying out. There are so many people being beaten up that needs your compassion, that are dying of your compassion. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands and pray. Let's first of all ask for forgiveness in, on the behalf of a church. Maybe you kept your compassion pure, but there are other people who have not kept that one. Let's repent. Let's be like um, priests who will take the moment and pray on the behalf or ask forgiveness on the behalf of others. Just even for one minute, let's pray for forgiveness on the church that has lost its pure compassion, on brothers and sisters in Christ who have lost the pure compassion. Father, we come in your presence right now. We ask for forgiveness, Lord, for any believers, Lord, any believer in you, Lord, who have lost their pure compassion because their compassion got married due to politics and everything, all this cloud that's going around us in this moment, in this country, around the world, in this movement, Lord Father, of sexual orientation, of COVID-19, Lord, Father, of racial inequality, Lord Father, has married the compassion of so many, Lord Father. Those who are supposed to have pure compassion as your children, those who are supposed to love like you love, Lord, those who are supposed to be the marrow and example into the world, Lord Father, those who are supposed to be the light to the world, but they got their compassion mixed up, Lord. They got their compassion, Lord Father, oh Lord, dirty with politics and what's going on, with facts, not truth, Lord. We ask for forgiveness, Lord, on the behalf of your church, on the behalf of your children, starting from ourselves and going across the globe. We ask for forgiveness in the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Asking for forgiveness for the blood of God, of the blood of Christ, to wash us, to wash the church, to wash the church. For you say, blessed are those who keep their robe washed, Lord Father. Purify again one more time our compassion and revive our compassion, our pure compassion to be a working Lord Father, to stand up Lord, to move forward Father. We now have more time than ever because everything is shut down out there. But unfortunately, I don't think we are spending more time than ever serving our neighbors, attending to our neighbors. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Let's now each of us just go through their hearts. Start really talking to God about your passion, your compassion. And if you feel like you need a special prayer about that compassion, that's really just got really not great anymore. Please step forward. We'll help you. But let's pray for our compassion to be renewed, to be purified one more time. Father, we come in your presence, Lord. We ask for your compassion to be, our compassion to be renewed, Lord. We used to have the great one when we gave our life to Christ, Lord. When we gave our life to you, Lord, first time, Lord, there was no black, there was no white, there was no Asian, there was no Hispanic in front of us, Lord. There was no minority, there was no majority. We served everybody according to your will. We served, we served everybody according to your, to, your, to your presence, to your spirit, to what the spirit put in our heart, Lord. But it may not be anymore the same way, Lord, Father. There was no gay, there was no lesbian, Lord, in our choosing, Lord, Father. There was no uh, Democrat, there was no Republican, Father. We serve everybody regardless of their political affiliations, regardless of their political standing, their views, their whatever, Lord. But maybe it's not anymore the same way. We failed our neighbors in big time, Lord. Father, we pray for the restoration. 
of your compassion in us, in our church, in everywhere, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray and we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to you, Lord. Glory be to you, Lord. Glory be to you, Lord. If you never give your life to Christ, this is your moment. If you never give your life to Christ, this is the moment. He'll give you the right compassion. He'll give you the right passion. All that bitterness you've been walking around, or all, all, all that craziness of life that's been walking around. He has the right passion. He was the pure compassion of yours. Just coming in. He's gonna change it. He'll give you eternal life. He'll give you passion. And he'll give you compassion. Hallelujah. 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 And if there is not, God bless you all.